So it's that time of year again. The holidays are a time where we come together with loved ones, with friends to celebrate long-standing traditions and have family gatherings. There's such a strong emphasis on celebration and cheer, but the reality is that many of us just aren't filled with the holiday spirit. Why during this time of year, where we're surrounded by messages of joy and love and community, do so many of us struggle? I'm Dr. Neha Bhattak, and you're listening to Health Discovered, a podcast by WebMD. As most of us realize, it's not just the expectations of the holidays and the stress of family gatherings that are to blame. This time of year, the days are growing darker, the weather is colder, and studies show that this can have a profound effect on our mood. And we all know that gatherings with family and friends and the pressures that brings can also add to our stress. Joining us today is licensed psychologist Seth Gillahan, who I'm always super excited to talk to. He'll talk with us about managing seasonal expectations, understanding our vulnerabilities, and ways to find gratitude during difficult moments. Hi, Seth. How are you? Hello, Neha. I'm good. I was just thinking to myself, I've had a great day so far. And as I was thinking that, I cut my finger with a with a knife as I was cutting an apple. Oh my God. That always happens. Still a great day. <laughs> Still a great day. And a great day, a great time of year. And I find myself getting anxious. And as that happens during the year, I always think I need to talk to Seth again. <laughs> well, we are we are overdue. Last time we were talking, yeah. I think I was in the basement and our bathroom was having some work done. And uh, this is better. It's better having a bathroom that works and it's it's better not being in the basement. So many things to be thankful for this time. I think the last time we talked, I was in a closet and my children were in there. Yeah, my memory was that you were in the dark, but I couldn't, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't remember why that <laughs> might have been. Yeah, a closet would do it. <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about things being grateful, very important, but at the same time being real about some of the anxieties, maybe some of the stress we're feeling. And this is probably particularly true for a lot of people right now as we go into what should be a very joyous time of year. We are meant to think of it that way, but I feel like I have a month that's been scratched out of my calendar. And I'm just wondering, how do you sort of think about that and cope cope with, with some of that stress as we get to the end of the year? Well, I think you said something really important about our expectations, which is we have this idea, this image, this kind of product we're sold, that the holidays should be this time of joy and it should be easy in some way or it shouldn't be as overwhelming as it is. I think that's why so many of us get disillusioned about the holidays. So you think, well, that's, you know, the, the idea we've been sold isn't our experience. So I, what, what's the saying? There's some expression like, like happiness is uh, your experience minus your expectations something like that. So 
I think the fewer expectations we can have as we go into the holidays, I think that's that's going to allow us to experience more joy and uh, and and maybe just to experience the holidays as they are, rather than as our kind of comparison against this ideal that we might have in mind. Yeah, that I I love that, and it kind of gets back to your cutting your finger on the uh, knife uh, experience for today, where you're just kind of say to yourself, or you kind of tell yourself the story of what how how it's going or what you're expecting, and then natural things happen. Uh, and if you're kind of thinking, well, it was supposed to be a great day, and then you can become very frustrated from it versus just expecting and accepting that it's still a good day, you can still make it good. <laughs> Absolutely. I think a lot of the time, I, I try to remind myself of this. I mean, first of all, I'll say, I think feeling gratitude can often be sold as a kind of, uh, or it's, it's presented as something that you, that you like good people are grateful. You know, you need to be grateful. You ought to be more grateful. What's wrong with you? Maybe partly from internalized messages from our, our parents about we haven't shown much gratitude or, and we feel guilty about not feeling grateful enough. So nothing that I am, am saying is, is meant to, to, to suggest that there's this, this uh, expectation of how grateful we, we should be. And if we're not, that grateful that we're not measuring up. All right. So with that in mind, I've often found that if I if I look closer, even in my disappointments, I find something that actually is kind of cool. Like I cut my finger, which I don't love, but it could have been so much worse. Like I, I so there's a part of me that can think like, oh, you know, blankety blank. I I assume this is a not an R-rated podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, wasn't, assumption. I wasn't planning to cut my finger today. And now this thing that shouldn't have happened has happened. And now today sucks versus like, wow, it could have been so much worse. You know, I've, I've had, I've cut myself other times. Apparently I don't learn. I was so distracted though by <laughs> thinking about what a great day it was, but I've cut myself <laughs> and had to go, you know, to urgent care because, you know, it wouldn't stop bleeding. And I won't go into the details mm. for those who are sensitive to that kind of thing. But, but it could have been a lot worse. So actually, also today, I woke up and this hasn't happened in a long time, but I got a migraine. And it started before I even got out of bed. My eyes were closed and I was like, what's that weird, like, light I'm seeing, like, in the part mm. of my visual field? And then I realized I was developing a migraine. So again, not my favorite thing in the world, but there's not really a better time to get a migraine than when I'm already in bed. I have no commitments. It didn't happen, you know, right as I'm you know, saying hi to Neha. And then it's like, oh, my vision's getting weird. I can't do this. So there's often within even our disappointments, there's a seed of something that we can actually appreciate, not because we're supposed to feel grateful, but because it's just, there's more... There's more joy, I think, that can be found than we might realize just kind of on the face of things a lot of the time. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I think so just as I'm listening to you, I'm reflecting that disappointments or feeling stressed or overburdened happen when we have certain expectations for how things should go, but also the timing of 
some of these things. So, you know, the t- if, if you're in the middle of a whole bunch of stuff, if you haven't sort of had some time to build resilience and had some sort of steady state where you're feeling okay, and at the timing of going into the holidays where it's it's both of those things. We have these expectations. We also have this very limited amount of time where we feel like we just have to, we're being pulled in a, so many directions. And all of that feels like it comes together too to just amplify some of those feelings of anxiety, stress, feeling like you're out of control, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's such an interesting description. Because it does feel it, it can definitely feel like there's this momentum toward the holidays, and it's you know like a like a like a train that can't be stopped. Like it's coming, whether we're ready for it or not. You know, maybe your family is is you know just recovering from a you know, family wide bout of flu or COVID or something, and and we're not ready. We need another week to prepare. We haven't even done our shopping, and yep, it's still coming. So that's I, I think. That to me, when I think about you know my own experience with times like that, it feels like there's also a kind of should around that. Like, well, this should this shouldn't be happening right now. Like, I shouldn't be sick on my birthday. I shouldn't have a stomach virus on Thanksgiving. You know, all these things. Like, well, oh, any time but now. I can even imagine it. I mean, on a deeper level, like when we reach the end of our lives, like what you know, if, if we're able to see it coming, not now, like I have so much more, there's so much more I want to see. There's this coming up. There's, um, but, but with all these things, we don't get to choose. Right. And it also feels sometimes if to take the, the flip side of the coin, like you're encouraging us to do is that it's almost like those kinds of moments that help you f- kind of rethink or reflect back on, is this how I want to be living? Like, I feel like I find myself doing that a lot right now where I'm like, I, why am I, so is this really how I want to go into the next few weeks where I'm going to be spending a lot more time, not forced, I promise. I do want to see my children for <laughs> two whole weeks without school, I promise. <laughs> No sarcasm there. Right, who wouldn't? (laughs) (laughs) So it is just sort of like this whole taking a step back, like using the, that, like you said, the momentum towards something that feels really stressful and just kind of saying, no, I can, let me stop this thought right now and just reflect on how can I change it? How can I shift or how can I like prevent something like this from happening again as we go into the new year? Mm. Yeah. I'm reminded of that line from what is it? It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, I think is the is the song, but I think all parents can probably relate to the one of the lines. Something like mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again, I think is the line. <laughs> Which I, I'm sure I never understood as a kid. Why do the parents care about school? <laughs> um, but you know, the, the, uh, couple things you said, I wanted to respond to one is that again, you know, coming back to expectations, I think there's this, I think there's this idea, this kind of assumption that we have about how life is just kind of supposed to go like we should, I mean, and, and I hold this assumption as much as anyone. And I think it's so deeply ingrained. It doesn't even feel like a belief or a thought. It's just a kind of 
bedrock, like part of the the backdrop of our lives. We expect to you reach a certain age before we die. We expect for things to go relatively smoothly. We don't expect to have prolonged illnesses. All these all these expectations and so it can feel like we're kind of getting a bum deal when those things don't go the way that that we imagine they're supposed to. And I I remember I forget about as often as I remember, but I continually come back to the realization that that we're not really owed anything. Like existence itself is like like why? Like why are we why are we even here? So even even to exist is any kind of existence at all is like kind of kind of an amazing thing, which is not at all to um, invalidate you know our, our suffering or say like well you know you have nothing to complain about. I mean, I think one of the one of the things I often feel grateful for is that um, sort of the way I see it, the universe kind of makes room for my griping and complaining and lack of gratitude. Like there's there's space for that. That's that's fully in bounds too. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's really interesting. It's sort of like that better out than in when it comes to nausea and vomiting. It feels the same way when I'm talking to my kids about their mental health symptoms. Yeah. Like when just last night, my daughter was talking to me. This is my nine-year-old who I end up having these really profound conversations with. And she's just like, why wasn't it? Why isn't it that we can't just be happy? Why weren't we made in a way where we can't just only see the positive things if that would make our lives easier? And so we have this whole discussion about, well, then how would you appreciate that you're happy if you didn't have those moments that you realize the opposite of it, that I'm not happy? Wow. And she just, she was just like, yeah, but if we were made this way because it's the best way that we could be made, why didn't we get made, her words, not mine, uh, to just see it in a positive, happy way so that we would never feel sad? Uh, Right. Yeah. Interesting. Deep conversation with your daughter. Defer to you, Seth. How old Please is your daughter? give me a response. <laughs> she, she just turned nine. Wow. Uh, end of November. Oh my goodness, a third grader. So yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I mean the, the the truth seems to be that our the forces that created us, you know, these evolutionary pressures, didn't. I mean, they were blind to our happiness, as far as I know, and, or I should say. Our happiness was not their paramount uh, objective. It was our survival. And unhappiness can be a real motivator to keep us alive. So, so yeah, that's it's unfortunate in a way. And yet, I think, you know, the the there's there's such a an important truth in what she was asking, which seemed to be about perspective. If I understand her question, it wasn't just why aren't things always good? But it's why can't we just see things in a way that's always positive? And to some extent, I think we can. Again, not uh, not in a in a I mean, toxic positivity has become kind of a buzzword or buzz phrase these days. But but not in that way where it's you know, d- denying the the unpleasantness of life. But uh, but yeah, keeping that keeping a broader perspective in mind. Um, and because I think we are, we're not. Not only do we 
do we see the negative, but it's easy for us to only see the negative, you know, only see the 5% or 1% of our lives that is less than perfect and to ignore like, wow, I can breathe. My breathing is, is unobstructed. Like that is a, that's a big deal, et cetera. Yeah, no, I think you're right. It's almost like the what we came down to is the conversation is is in two parts. Like you need to be able to experience some of the negatives. And then the second part of the conversation, and you need to express that, like, I'm not happy because of X, Y, and Z. And then that allows you to have the second part of the thought, which is, well, then I can do X to maybe be happier next time or to do it better next time. And so we I started off with just trying to stop the conversation by being like, well, happiness is a choice. So you choose, you get to choose. <laughs> it's up to you. <laughs> and balls in your court. <laughs> <laughs> it's all up to you. And so then she just was not having it. She was like, well, I, it's not up to me because I keep seeing some things that are not positive. And then we sort of went to, well, what are those things? So she got that out. And then it came to, well, then what can we do to make it better? It's almost like you're saying the, the survival advantage there is to recognize something that is deficient or maybe not optimal and then be able to then do something about it mm -hmm. rather than just be stuck in that place of something is bad and I'm not happy. Yeah. You know, there, there's something beautiful about that exchange between you and your daughter which is which kind of goes for me for me it goes beyond the content of what you talked about and it's the whole process that here your daughter comes to you with something that is troubling her or puzzling her and she brings it to her mom and has what sounds like you know a, an intimate discussion about it in a way that I'm I'm guessing led both of you to feel closer to each other maybe to have some some understanding uh, of of those those topics and and you know, it, it reminds me of, there's a line from, there's a, a monk, I think a Benedictine monk named David Steindl-Rost. And he said that we're, we're grateful not for life's problems, but for our ability to handle them. And again, you know, the, these, these problems, like having an issue and taking it to someone that you love and talking about it, it's not that I'm grateful, like, oh, thank God I have this, you know, this struggle that I'm dealing with. You know, what an amazing thing that I have the ability to take it to someone that you know loves me and is going to talk about it with me or or you know it's something that I handle on my own you know that I am able to cope with and and that's something too I think where we can we can find gratitude on that level too that ability to to deal with problems which I mean just as, as human beings we're such amazing problem solvers also not always I think mm -hmm. like, and problem creators and problem creators. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to show off how we can solve problems by creating more and more. That's right. But, you know, and so again, this brings me to the conundrum of this particular time. So I'm going to bring two two of those to your attention and ask you to reflect on on, on both of those. So one, let's start with this one, which is that this is a time that is taken out of a lot of people's lives to get back together with family, friends, loved ones, which is what we know social connection can be a health driver and isolation can have negative health outcomes. And yet that positive side can be flipped to a negative when you end up having 
a lot of the, you know, maybe pent up feelings or things that you've been holding on to, or, you know, these moments that you're of connection can turn into disconnection or a negative experience. So how do we manage that going into the holidays? How do we manage that, whether we're expecting it or not expecting it? Mm. Yeah, I I think first of all, I mean, I, I think of expectations again, that, I mean, if we can just accept that that if we're getting together with family, that things are, are probably going to be, um, there are probably going to be some difficult times with them. And if we can, if we can ex- expect that and not see it as, as something that shouldn't be happening, uh, I think that's, I think that can be a, a really big shift. Cause I think a lot of us have, again, this implicit, this underlying assumption that things like relationships should be relatively easy. But relationships are so hard. I mean, relationships are probably the main reason why, why life is is you know so terrible for so many people. You know, all the just awful conflicts and inability to come together and solve problems, war, etc. Uh, so accepting that that those things are likely to happen, and then I would think you know look for um, you know don't discount all the things that went well. You know, it's easy for because because losses loom larger than gains. It's easy to see, you know, that one like, oh, and my uncle is being like such a jerk, and you know, it colors the whole, the whole, you know, Hanukkah or, or Christmas or other celebration. And you know, we can we can uh, sort of I think of it as tearing, like T A R ing. Uh, like a hitting tear on our experience. Like, oh yeah, all that other stuff, like the normal, okay stuff in my life, that just kind of gets zeroed out. And then the stuff that we actually weigh is like, oh, the bad stuff, or if something really good happens, that counts. But maybe just um, allowing ourselves to be a little bit more aware of the, um, you know, the, the everyday good things that we might take for granted or the, you know, the nice connection we have with with our brother who's, you know, always easy to get along with and realizing it doesn't it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. I think yeah, what in what you said about managing expectations too is if you can kind of go into it with that knowledge. Because sometimes some people who want to connect just have maladaptive ways of doing that. Like they just don't they want to connect. They want to be in your life and it's like the toddler that's kind of acting out. They want your attention. They just don't know how to do it in a way that is conducive to a positive experience. So maybe kind of thinking about that, who who maybe experiences life that way, who sort of reaches out to you and tries to connect in that way, and just how are you going to respond, maybe trying to understand those vulnerabilities. It's hard. It's really harder said. No. It's easier said than done. <laughs> it's harder to do than say. Uh, I'm telling myself right now because certainly, you know, there are certain things where I know um, these are difficult relationships. I know what someone wants of me, and it's just hard to do it sometimes. Yeah, yeah I remember a, an interaction with one of my brothers years ago, and he was getting married. And there's some tension about like what we were going to attend as uh, you know with, with with young kids and and it was it was much harder to manage that or to 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 deal with that when I had this idea of like this ah, like this shouldn't be happening like I shouldn't have this tension with my with my brother 
who I, you know, love and usually I'm very close to. But then I realized like, it's okay. Like families have conflicts. It's not an emergency that has to, uh, that's that I mean, it feels like, like a, like a hiccup in the universe or something like things were fine and now they're not versus like, yeah, this is, this is all part of it. This is within the the bounds of, of normal life. This isn't a, some weird aberration that, that needs to be fixed immediately. Right. Well, that's, that's really helpful. And I think one of the other pieces I wanted to bring in when we were thinking about time is just the change of season and just literally time feeling like it's shorter just because our days are shorter. And a lot of people, you know, compounding their emotions, stress, uh, the concerns about their social connection and interactions are also feeling the stress from the change in the season and the, the lack of sunlight and what a lot of people are concerned about seasonal affective disorder during this time. Can you talk a little bit about that? Mm. Yeah, but that's I mean, that, that is a real concern for a lot of people. There's a, a a big percentage of the population is is you know sensitive to the, the shortening of of sunlight, um, and they have dips in their mood not because things aren't going well in their life, but just because their their bodies, their physiologies are responding to that that change in sunlight. You know, I, I it takes me back to. What we were talking about earlier about your joy and pain and kind of experiencing those as, as two sides of the same coin. And I can I can imagine a similar concept here with with daylight that you know it's it's colder, it's it's darker, it's hard to be outside as much. And so we, you know, we go inward. We go literally inside, where we spend more hours inside. We're with you know people probably more often, at least with our families more because we're all inside a lot. Um, so I, I, I always, when I, when I you know, talk or write about seasonal, uh, you know, affective issues, I, the, a, a big part of it is to, you know, find activities that can replace those things that we normally would do. Like, you know, maybe getting outside as much as we can, you know, spending the, what, what daylight we can outdoors. Of course, for those who actually suffer from Seasonal depression, uh, like a, a very powerful light box, could be helpful. A person can talk to their doctor about that. Um, but do you know this? I'm sure you're familiar with the, the the concept of huga. It's like a Scandinavian, maybe uh, maybe Danish. It's I think it's H Y G G E. I think. Um, pronounced huga. Anyway, it's, it's this idea of, like, it's like coziness is probably the, the closest English translation that it's that, that experience you have when you're, when you're inside and usually it's cold outside, but it's warm inside. Maybe, you know, adding a fire would, would increase the, the hug yeah, coefficient. Um, maybe you've got a, you know, warm drink and you're with people that you love. You have a blanket. It's that real kind of like tucked in feeling. And I think that that sense is, it's not, if you, you know, recreate all that, you're, you're with people, you're sitting by a fireplace and it's summer outside and it's bright outside. Like there's no, there's not that same type of coziness that the experience really, I think only exists because it's this kind of, it's a shelter from the storm or it's a, it's a cocoon when there's all this like, like in hospitality 
around us. So maybe we can accentuate that part of our winter experience and you know really play up the contrast. Like, wow, it's it's what's the again line from a, a holiday song? The weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Like the fire is more delightful because it's snowing outside. Oh my gosh, this is unbelievable because growing up I, or one of my sort of the moments that I feel the safest ref- thinking back on my life are when it's winter and my parents are at home, my mom's doing something in the kitchen, my dad's kind of fiddling with something and there is unsafe but true a space heater, one of those old timey ones that had exposed wires and you can, the dust kind of falls on it and it's sizzling. You can hear that oh, yeah. and smell the sizzle. And we're just kind of sitting there cozy and tucked in. Yes. And I cannot believe you just recreated that memory <laughs> for me. <laughs> With the, tra- so I'm going to have to look that up. Huga? Huga. Is that what you yeah. said? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So so what an amazing way to think about it. I mean, I have some happy summer memories as well. Um, but certainly like this is one of those moments that I just feel safe. It's kind of like my happy place that Mm. I go back to. And I'm always thinking, like, how do I make this same kind of experience for my kids so that they'll kind of think back to this time? And now I can do that with intention. So thank you, Seth. (laughs) You're very welcome. I'm glad it resonated with you. I I felt a bit like a like a Thomas Kincaid painting or a Hallmark card as I was describing it. (laughs) But but you jogged a memory, actually a couple memories for me. Uh, One I'll share is shortly after we moved into our current house, maybe 12 years ago, there was a a huge blizzard. Maybe we got like 24 inches of snow or something. And our our neighbors, a couple houses down, invited people to spontaneously said, you know, come over. So we went to this house. It was super cozy inside. The owner had been there for a long time and you know had a lot of uh, it's like nicely decorated, lots of holiday decorations. There was someone there who's really good at playing piano. So he was playing piano and we're all sitting around. It was so warm. And again, like that same experience without you know, the two feet of snow outside wouldn't have been there wouldn't have been the same, I think, type of of the tight bond that we all felt because it it did feel like we we're. I mean, maybe it maybe it goes back to like when we were, um, you know, living in caves, and there's there's a real advantage to you know wanting that type of experience because it would keep you safe. You know, rather than freezing alone outside, you're inside where you're safe and warm. Wow, yeah, and just thinking about how that kind of imprints in your memory. So what else? What are what are some final thoughts that you have to leave us with as we go into this not so dreaded time anymore, Seth? See, you've you've helped me just over the course of this short period of time. That's great. <laughs> you know, I, I would kind of jump off from something you were saying earlier about you know thinking about who we want to be rather than just kind of you know seeing ourselves as as uh, you didn't say this exactly, but but victims are just sort of like receiving our experience, but thinking more proactively, like, well, who do I want to be this holiday season? In a couple ways, I would I would encourage people to think about like, who do I want to be for myself? Like, how can I vow not to not to abandon myself during this holiday season, but really to stay close to myself, to be there for me. 
to be, you know, to stay close to my experience so I can actually experience this time as much as possible. And then also how to be there for others, you know, how to, how to be there for people who may be, you know, maybe grieving during the holidays, you know, maybe remembering someone they've lost maybe for the first holiday season, um, or, or people who are, who are alone at the holidays or who are, who are ill, um, you know, all, all these things. And maybe that's, that's some of us, you know, we can, we can, uh, offer our, our best to those around us and also to ourselves. And I think that <laughs> when it's, there's so many movies about this, this kind of thing, you know, remembering the, the real meaning of the, of the holiday season. I think it's really true. You know, if, if we can focus maybe on those kinds of things, like whose holiday season can I make a bit better or can I make a little less miserable? Then, then it kind of seems like the the weeks ahead will be time well spent. Mm, yeah, that is. You just gave me several ideas of things to do for folks just in my very local community. So I appreciate it. Right on. You are the king king of one liners today, and uh, remembrances of lines and lyrics past. So <laughs> I appreciate. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all coming back to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season and that your family has a moment of huga uh, yes. going into this this uh, next few weeks Thank you. and the coming year. Thank you, Neha. Always great to speak with you. And I wish you the same for you and your family. To learn more about Dr. Seth Gillahan, you can visit sethgillahan.com. Thanks for listening to Health Discovered, a podcast by WebMD. I'm Dr. Neha Batuk, Chief Physician Editor of Health and Lifestyle Medicine, and I wish for all of us to have a happy and healthy holiday season. Take care, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>